Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Cannabis Tech Talks. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that can sound a little bit dry, but it's super important. So don't tune out, even if you're a consumer and not business to business, corporate social responsibility. So when you buy cannabis products, um, do you care how they're made? Do you care how the company is run? Does it matter to you if that company is polluting the environment or abusing its employees? Does it matter if they're creating a diverse workplace? If any of these matter, then you care about corporate social responsibility. So I think it's a super important topic, but it sounds a little bit lame. So hopefully today, hopefully we can um, fill you all in and help you to realize that this is super important and there are some companies doing some really good work. Um, so to, to kind of cover that in more depth, we're sitting down with Raheem Yudak. Did I say that right? Would you pronounce it for me? Okta. Okta. Wow, I was way off. All right, we're, okay. sitting down, <laughs> we're sitting down with Raheem, uh, director of CSR for Curaleaf. And CSR is short for Corporate Social Responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so Curaleaf is one of the nation's largest multi-state operators. It operates coast to coast with more than 100 dispensaries in 23 states. Um, so I'm so glad you could join us. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So tell me, how did you first become interested in CSR for the cannabis space? Um, it's it's a winding road, really. Um, uh, so I think I, I enter this role as an activist first who tried to figure out how to hold companies broadly more accountable um, and then found my way into cannabis and then was able to really uh, carve a niche and convince people that this is something that we should really be taking seriously. And this is, you know, I was, I was able to start advocating for this work, you know, when I was first hired at Grassroots as an associate digital marketing manager, you know, so I, I for a long time would say I moonlight as the CSR person at our, at our company, um, where a lot of my day to day was focused on marketing, but trying to figure out how is it you know, as we are building this company and talking about who we are, that we can talk about how we impact community, the things that we stand for, particularly as it, uh, as it relates to cannabis. Um, and then how do we bring consumers along on that journey as well? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. What's, what's Curaleaf's approach to creating an effective CSR program? Yeah, it's, it's about impact. You know, I think we we ask the question very often of what, how does this lead back to our strategic objectives? And we are really focused on the UN sustainability, uh, st- sustainable development goals and how we can apply that um, in, in our company. But particularly, I think in cannabis, we're, we're like, how how has the war on drugs affected community and how can we work within those intersections um, to, to form coalition with nonprofits, with other MSOs, with government, and figure out how we can uh, try to alleviate some of those harms, right? Um, and sometimes it comes from, from policy um, and 
trying to figure out, you know, if we're trying to hire, um, if we're trying to hire people who've been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs, who have been directly touched by criminal justice, how do we do that? And then, you know, we, we figure out the process and then we say, oh, but, you know, we, we set this goal that then we found out, well, in 10% of the, or in, in 10 of the states we operate in, we actually can't hire from that population. So then how do we start talking to legislators about how we think laws should be changed so that people who were harmed by the war on drugs for cannabis possession can now benefit from the industry in a way that, you know, I, I'm not sure is anyone's fault. I don't, I don't necessarily feel like anyone was trying to exclude anyone but you have to think how the repercussions of these laws or the repercussions of how things are applied uh, can, can disproportionately harm uh, this group of people who've already been disproportionately harmed uh, by this industry. That's an important point and one that maybe some people aren't familiar with. So you're referring to in some states, uh, cannabis companies aren't allowed to employ felons or people who have um, a background that uh, criminal background related to cannabis. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. If, you know, in a lot of states, it's called out that if you have a previous conviction related to cannabis, you cannot hold a plant touching role. That is cultivation. That is retail. We found um, opportunities for folks outside of that. You know, the corporate environment um, is still perfectly suitable for people. Um, it can just be the actual plant touching roles um, that become very difficult to place people in. And sometimes that's, you know, I think where people want to work, like where they, they find themselves drawn and absolutely part of why they were persecuted originally was <laughs> because of their interest in that section. So that's important work. Why should consumers care about this? You know, you walk into a dispensary and you see all the products why should you be thinking about that when you reach for or when you request what what you want? I, I think it's uh, I think it's so important today because we we oftentimes vote with our dollar as much as we vote with our ballots. Um, and I think the types of companies people support, I mean, it does it does impact legislation. It does impact uh, representation in our communities and uh, opportunities for folks um, in community uh, to be hired. Um, and it's important. I think at the end of the day, um, if you're, if you're supporting an organization that's working counter to all of your social goals, right. Um, then it's kind of like saying one thing and doing another or speaking out of both sides of your mouth in some cases, you know? Um, so I, I think being a conscious consumer right, is ultimately what, what I think this is all about, is trying to say, how do I want to build a community with the businesses at a part of that community um, that supports the ideals and, and, and the motives that I have? Does the CSR play a role in a company's sustainability or longevity? Like how long they're likely to last in this industry? I believe so. Uh, I mean, I, I don't I don't have any facts for you, unfortunately. I don't have numbers, but um, but I, I think you're you're seeing even in some of the, the cone studies that have come out, you see a higher brand affinity that people have when they feel like they can relate to a brand, mm -hmm. when they feel like they can stand behind a brand's message. I think of 
lots of mainstream brands that I like, Ben and Jerry's, Patagonia, like these are Lego. Um, these are organizations that are very intentional in how they're they're showing up and the commitments they're making to the environment. Um, I, I think I think environmentally is is a is a huge way to to sort of mark the progress. I think most of the work that you've seen to combat climate change has been done by private industry, not by government setting standards for people to follow. And I mean, we we can talk about the role of government in that. Um, but I think the fact that there are companies willing to step up and recognize that there are ways that they can address some of these issues um, should be supported um, with our dollar, with our Facebook likes, with our Instagram reshares. Um, and I think that those little nods of approval continue to push a company forward as they develop pro policies and products um, that are able to take on some more and more of these issues. How, yeah, I'm interested in how companies are able to kind of show what they're doing because we're in a culture now where it's, um, can sometimes be easy to, to greenwash things, to make it sound like you're doing things well when you're not. Mm -hmm. Um, fortunately, I think we're starting to see more companies embrace, um, environmental social governance reports yes. to be able to, to showcase the real work they're doing. What are some ways you're seeing companies kind of step up to be able to show real work? Yeah. I mean, I, I, th I think you've got to set goals. They can be lofty. And I think you've also got to be unafraid of saying we did this and we did, we were unable to hit this goal. And this is how we can improve upon it. I think, personally, I think greenwashing comes from this desire to be uh, better than where, where you are and afraid to say where things stand today. And I think, um, you know, that, that transparency with people goes a long way to say, hey, you know, we, with our hiring last year, we said we wanted to have 10% of our new hires uh, come from populations of people who've been directly impacted by the war on drugs, it ended up being like 3.7%. Mm -hmm. And we learned we have to enact new policy uh, in how we hire in the, the organizations we're going to and the state legislation that either allows or disallows us to actually be able to do this and, how can, and figure out how we can be more intentional about hitting that target next time. Um, but I think by putting the number out there, our goal to hit 420 diverse owned businesses uh, in our supply chain by the year 2025 is, is lofty. And I think about that number all of the time um, and the processes that we have to put in place to make sure that we work with those people and that we can track on that, right? It is beautiful to have a number, but if I can't say this is where the money is going and this is how much was spent and this is who's in our supply chain and how frequently we purchase from them it you know it doesn't hold as much as much weight so that's powerful mm -hmm. um you mentioned earlier kind of working with uh, legislators to create some of the changes that that you want to see how what does that process look like is that sort of like lobbying or is that writing letters? Uh, so it, it can be, it can be all of those things. Um, I often tell people, you know, so much of cannabis happens on the local level um, that sometimes just calling uh, an alderman or a state legislator 
um, a mayor's office, it only takes a few phone calls to really enact that, that policy for change. Like New Jersey's adult use, um, the legislature allowed each locality to determine whether or not they would opt into those sales. And unfortunately, something like 70% of cities opted out. So even though we have adult use in New Jersey, where it shows up and how it shows up isn't really in the hands of the state. It's in the hands of the people. Um, and so I would encourage folks to get really involved in the local level um, and, and try to unite around the goals. If we want social equity, if we want minority ownership, we have to ask for those things. Um, and we have to, I would also say be collaborative as well. You know, I, I try to work with a lot of nonprofit organizations in a way so that we can form coalitions around issues, figure out how we can speak around how, how folks should be educated as they enter into the industry. Um, I often uh, speak to like my grandmother it will be in an adult use state soon, has never consumed cannabis, but needs to know how. And we've, we've hit this inflection point in the industry where I feel like from the outside, a lot of people view it as just smoking cannabis. Mm -hmm. And on the inside, you know, there's a lot of tech from like nano emulsion technologies, edibles that are happening that people on the outside don't know about yet. And so I often think, how can we create you know, coalitions talking about the changes that are happening so that people can be ready um, over the next five, 10 years as we hit this sort of wave of, of statewide and federal legalization. I'm glad you brought up that point. Um, just a few days ago, I was having dinner with some friends from out of state. We were talking about the technology in the industry and they mentioned how they didn't didn't realize that there was this level of sophistication, um, so many different forms to ingest, um, the, the science that's going into some of these products now to really make them more reliable, predictable. Mm -hmm. um, the education component to me is so important. And when I said that to them, you know, they were like, aren't you just, I mean, people are just trying to smoke. But the reality is it's really progressing to a sophisticated industry. And if we can create that education and awareness of different ways to ingest it, different ways to utilize it, mm -hmm. the, the science that's going into it, I think it's going to make a big difference in how quickly we're able to adopt it and yeah. how these new markets are able to mature. You know, I think we can mm -hmm. put them on a stronger footing than um, the, the really early markets. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think just the sophistication and how we start to talk about flour, like you, you can watch this evolution as a market talks about THC values as like the big indicator of their cannabis product mm. to moving towards terpenes, strain variety, and all these other things. Like I, I love the nuanced conversations of oh, I like linalool or I like myrcene more because it just, you know, like it helps me be really active and write a bunch of emails. And that's not <laughs> necessarily the way people view cannabis, but it can be with the right kind of education around the product and where it's headed. Yeah. And I think that will be important too, because especially when you're looking at 
um, maybe older demographics, which is one of the largest growing in the industry, mm-hmm. um, is 65 plus, they're, they're not necessarily looking for a 27% THC count. But if right. you can say, you know, find yourself a nice 17% with like high levels of mercine or pinene, uh, and that's great for this or that, then you can get really targeted and, mm-hmm. and actually provide uh, value to these people who maybe never saw themselves as a consumer in this space. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I really appreciate that point. Um, let's keep diving deeper into this and all of the, because I think there's a lot of nuance to CSR that that will play a big role in people's lives, whether they realize it or not as this yeah. industry grows. But let's talk more about that right after we take a quick sponsor break to pay the bills. Um, We'll be back with Rahim. Every cultivator knows that facility design can make or break your grow. So why not choose the team with over 15 years of experience in the industry? Cerna Cultivation Technologies provides floor plan and architectural services, comprehensive HVACD equipment, lighting and benching, and so much more, all within your budget. It's time to grow your way. Go to Cerna.com, that's S-U-R-N-A.com to learn more. All right, so we're back. We're going to talk a bit more about CSR. I want to hit on um, being cannabis in tech today. Are you seeing technology start to play a a bigger role in sort of facilitating CSR for these companies? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I think... I think the ancillary space is one of the, the biggest opportunities for, um, for minority-owned businesses. I think the, the capital intensity of, of a non-plant-touching business is really one of the, the difference makers in, in being able to provide opportunity, right? Um, w- one big facet of our supplier diversity work is, is this idea that there are opportunities for people in construction uh, people who are in advertising, people who make uh, swag items like T-shirts or do design work, like you don't necessarily need to pivot all of a sudden to say, I'm going to run a cannabis dispensary to be a part of the cannabis industry. I think there are uh, tech solutions that can come about from, from, from the education side, like we were talking about. I think there's so much that people can learn um, and track about themselves and their body's interactions with cannabis, but also like some of the, some of the device tech that is happening as well, or, or methods of ingestion. Um, I, 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 I get really jealous of people who studied chemistry uh, and work in this industry. Cause it just seems like in such a fascinating space to be constantly figuring out all these compounds, their interactions with the body, um, if you're a doctor, great time to pivot. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a huge opportunity for innovation there. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I think ancillary industries can really, um, could use this infusion. Um, I think it's awesome to see cannabis specific technologies where maybe they're inspired by what another industry is doing and they're able Mm -hmm. to, to apply that knowledge to this space and, make it unique and adapt it to specifically what we're looking for here. But mm-hmm. as I get into it, I think STEM is going to play an increasingly large role. It's already huge behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And when you think about, um, you know, I work in the cannabis space, I think people do immediately go to plant touching, but you've got to realize there are engineers, scientists, doctors, people who are 
really able to apply a broader depth of their knowledge to an industry that has never been um, looked at like that, at least exactly. in, in a legal sense. So it's yeah. an exciting time, I think. Absolutely. I mean, I, I often compare it to tech um, or like the computer boom. Um, like we are on the cusp of an industry really stepping up to the next level. And that is incredibly exciting uh, to see. I mean, there's just, there's so much innovation and, and new products appearing on the market all the time that like, I just, I get, I get excited just to try to convert people into the industry. Like I'll, I'll come to a party and I'll bring uh, I'm, like uh, a seltzer, a six pack of like seltzer uh, for people, or uh, we have a product called select squeeze, which is like yeah. a nano infusion. I'm a huge fan of that. Um, but it's like, I try to, I, tr- I feel like I'm constantly trying to introduce people to cannabis in like non-traditional ways. Like I'm like, I hardly smoke it anymore to be quite honest uh but i'll (laughs) I'll eat it (laughs) i vape it it's in creams and rubs Mm -hmm. like it is all around my house um and very rarely combusted and i just think that is an incredible change of pace um you know i i feel like my background is very much in the flower and my understanding was very much in the flower and to see where it's gone beyond that is wild every day right I think that's my favorite part of of this job is seeing all of the new uh technologies new ways to ingest it and sharing that with people to see see their reactions um the group of friends I had in as I mentioned older crowd they went into a dispensary and they came out and I was fascinated to see what what each one picked out right oh I've never tried this roll-on or um you know I'm trying this dissolvable for the first time um so it's really neat to see that people want to be able to consume but they need to be able to do it in the way that they feel comfortable Mm -hmm. and there's a lot more options for that um but let's refocus on csr here what what recommendations would you offer companies who maybe want to to start their own csr program or improve upon what they've got yeah i I feel like we have found success by meeting with collaborators. Um, and I, I mean that inside of Cureleaf and, you know, our community partners as well. We spent a long time just getting feedback from folks. What are the things you're passionate about? What What is something that would inspire you? And I think building building those bridges with people has allowed us to, to scale a lot of these programs in ways that, you know, I never would have thought possible as we go into um, our third iteration of a program called feed the block, which is our address to food insecurity. You know, we coordinate that across 23 States and in each state, we look for at least one local food bank that we can partner with uh, to do volunteering and, um, cash donations for. And, you know, that, that is only possible because all of our team members in all of our dispensaries are excited about this. And our wholesale partners are excited to have a product tied to it. And it, you know, it's through that cohesion that, you know, we have found success in our program. So if, if someone is at an MSO, I would say, how do you build a team of 
folks from across your company that are passionate about this work that can help you do it? And then how do you meet with the community to figure out what they need? I think so often this work is thought of as top down and I get, I get feedback from community members on what it is they're trying to do and what it is they think is most impactful and then figure out how I can adjust the many tools that are available to CureLeaf to, to meet that need. Um, and, and that's why I feel like CSR is so much about working in harmony with local government, with activists, and then with the corporate community, right? If any, if any of those folks is not at the table, I think you're gonna have a harder time seeing any of that impact actually make it into the community. That's, yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And I attended a CSR um, seminar last year or so, but there was a stat in there that stuck out to me, which was the younger generation of um, employees are more likely to work with a company if they feel like they're making an impact, a social Mm -hmm. impact, and if they feel fulfilled in in their community with that job as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think having a passionate workforce um, and then being able to work collaborative, collaboratively, like you mentioned, um, is super powerful for building a, a strong team. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, people, I will, I will be banging this drum until I'm dead, but people are the most important resource in a company. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like companies get a bad rap because they're, they're often these large, ominous beings that are extracting things from people. Mm-hmm. But a, companies can be just collections of people all who all happen to be stoked about cannabis, who all want to make an impact and get to collaborate on that work day to day. And I, I think redefining how work is done and what people are passionate about, like no one should be unhappy going to work. You spend most of your waking life at work. The least you are owed is to be happy and feel like you're contributing to something that's meaningful to you and to your community. Otherwise, like, you know, it's hard. That's hard. I couldn't couldn't do that. (laughs) Well said. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. So what's next for CureLeaf CSR program? Do you see it evolving uh, in the next few years? Yeah, I, I, definitely. I mean, we we will continue to evolve as the industry evolves. I think, you know, our the last year for us has really been focused on developing processes around our strategic partners, figuring out how we will respond to community. We've really just kicked off our work uh, focused on environmental s- sustainability. Um, I'm most excited to start to understand those baselines, right? Once we've got the numbers, again, we can start holding ourselves accountable to those numbers and improving where we want to go. And then I, I keep hoping that we'll be able to collaborate with local government to, to change some of the packaging policies, hmm. uh, some of our waste policies, um, because I, I like I get it. You know, I, I get that no one wants um, I have two kids. I would be mortified if they ever, you know, ate a gummy on accident you know, I get it. Um, and I get that we can, there are ways to, to, to safely lock the product 
without us needing to have four layers of, of plastic and cardboard that are going to go straight into the trash. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I try to think very critically about like, how, how do we achieve that same goal without putting an undue burden on our environment? Um, and how, how can we approach this in a more sustainable way? Could we start bringing packaging back to dispensaries to be cleaned and reused and redistributed like Mm. old milk bottles? I would love that personally. I'd be super into that. Um, I'd pay a little dram deposit to take my glass home for, for a dollar or whatever. Um, and I think those, those little incremental changes are what I'm hoping we can start to push as, as we, as a company start to really investigate what's going on under the hood. I appreciate that as one of the larger operators, um, this is something that the company is putting focus on and hopefully can kind of provide a beacon or a groundwork for other <laughs> companies to see this is scalable, this is achievable. Um, where can people go to learn more about what the company is doing and kind of see that progress? Uh, so you can go to cureleaf.com slash corporate social responsibility. Um, if you want to take a look there, that has an overview of a lot of our work. Um, we also recently came out with an impact report, so you should be able to find that uh, there as well. Um, and that speaks to a lot of what's been happening over the last year, year and a half. Um, so yeah, I would say th- those are probably the best places to, to learn more about our program. Well, Raheem, do you have any um, parting thoughts for our audience before we uh, wrap it up? Yeah. Um, never forget to, to vote with your dollar and uh, never forget to vote generally. Um, and, you know, coll- I feel like collective effort um, is what makes the, the change we all want to see um, in, in government and community. So, uh, Things, things may be tough. I recognize that right now. This is an incredibly distressing period, but um, you know we can push forward and we will continue to, to see the progress we want to see. So, I love that. Be involved. Apathy mm-hmm. is the enemy, people. Mm-hmm. Um, if you enjoyed this episode of Cannabis Tech Talks and you want to hear more about emerging technology in the cannabis space, uh, please feel free to like, share, follow, subscribe. We're available on Apple, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, our most recent issue is also on newsstands now, uh, Barnes & Noble across the country and in Canada, or you can check out canatechtoday.com and find an issue for free. Uh, until next time, thanks for joining us and stay elevated. Hey, hello, I'm Tommy Chong. If you want something really nice in your laboratory, buy Durachill. I'm telling you, if you're not using this, Dura Chill, you're not really in the pot business. You're just on the fringe of it. So if you really want to get serious, man, this is what you need. You need a Dura Chill in your life. You've got the technology here to have the cleanest, purest, healthiest product. I'm impressed. You want me to sell this? Buy it. Try Dura Chill or else. If your chiller's down, you ain't making money. And you heard it from me, Tommy Chong. Brought to you by PolyScience.